So today's 24-7 Artist Q&A is a little different because we have a few guests. Um, and so, like we've done the last couple times, just answering questions in real time because uh, the whole purpose is to help make artists' lives simpler. And so how better, uh, what, what better way to do it than to, to have a conversation and just kind of have dialogue and hopefully the questions you ask, other people can take some value from the answers. Um, but I wanted to start today speaking about, so I watched the, the Kanye Genius first two episodes and I think regardless of what you think about the man or what you think about his music, um, what I take away from the first two episodes is that he has got a very clear vision of what success for him looks like, and he also works very hard towards that. And I wanted to take a minute before we get started to kind of define those two things, because I think regardless of where you are in your career or what it is that you do in, your, in, in the industry, whether you're a label owner, an artist, an executive, a photographer, a manager, um, defining success and working hard are critical if, if you want to make it. So I want to start with defining success. So you guys know I'm very big on the vision board. If you work with me before, I don't even operate unless you have a vision board. Um, Kanye uh, made it very clear that he wanted to be mentioned with the greats, hip-hop greats. And one of the constant things I see is, is he... Whenever someone referred to him as a rapper producer or said you're good for a producer, he corrected them instantly. He didn't even let that energy exist. Anything outside of, I am going to be one of the greatest rappers of all time. I'm going to be mentioned with the greats. He compared himself to Jay-Z. He was a producer on Jay-Z's label, not even taken serious as an artist. And he constantly compared himself or put himself in the same breath as Jay-Z, as Eminem as the great. And so for him, that was a very clear definition of success. I'm going to work until I'm mentioned here. So it, you know, it, it's not about comparison, but it's about having a very clear picture and being able to communicate that picture to yourself first and then to anyone who's connected to you. I love that every time somebody put him in a different space than he saw himself being in, he corrected them, regardless of who that person was, regardless if they were bigger than him, smaller than him, more established, his manager, his assistant, his friend, he constantly put himself in his idea of success. So that's really important. I think the other thing is he worked hard. And I want to define what hard work is, right? Hard work for me is not getting up at 5 a.m. It's not working 18 hours a day because there are a lot of people who do that, right? If, if you look at any day laborers, if you look at anybody who works like a farm, if you look at somebody who like a trash man, like they're up at three o'clock in the morning, heavy lifting. It's a grind. It's grueling. So we all work hard in our own respective fields. Hard work in our field, right, and as an artist or anyone who's starting out in business, is the ability to work through no's, right? Working through people turning you down, working through people turning you away. It's having the guts to ask multiple times and being rejected multiple times until it happens. And in the first two episodes of, of the Genius documentary series, you see Kanye face defeat and face rejection and face being belittled over and over again, right? You see people not saying his name properly. Like, who are you? What, what's your name again? You see him trying to play his records for people and they're not paying attention to him. You see him just looking to get a break and people not giving him the time of day. The hard work part is that the next morning when he wakes up, he went back and did it again. The number one reason most people fail is after one or two of those rejections and letdowns, we stop, right? We stop trying. We give up. And, and, and so I want you to kind of think of yourself right now and think of something you've tried to do or think of something you are doing and, and just kind of remember like what it felt like the first time you played a record for someone and they weren't bopping their head as hard as you, or they just outwardly said, eh, it's all right, or you, you did your album cover and someone's like, I don't really like the way that picture looks. Or you try to book a show and, and they didn't even respond to you, right? That's going to happen. The people who are successful have one common trait, that they get back up and they try again. I'll ask a thousand times and a thousand and first time, if it's a yes, you forget the thousand no's. So 
I wanted to just kind of start with that and kind of set the table with that because I feel like, you know, when you see Kanye today and everyone obviously wants to be Kanye today, maybe that is your idea of success as far as like billboard charts and Grammy wins and, and being on the, the, the hip hop, you know, hall of fame list. Um, but ultimately I, I love that we get to see him before he made it, before they knew who he was. I love the scenes where he's sitting in a restaurant eating and no one has any idea who he is. And I always ask Davina, I say, you know, I wonder if he looks at this and misses that because like he had no idea or maybe he did. It seems like he did that one day he wouldn't be able to do that again. So, I, you know, if anything, I see some of you taking notes, uh, define success for you. Be very clear with it and say it out loud. Say it to yourself. Say it to your manager. Say it to your parents. Say it to your closest friends. And, and, and be ready for some of them to laugh at you, right? It's crazy, the idea of you saying, I think one day I could be as big as Michael Jackson. That sounds crazy to say out loud as an artist. But if you don't say it, how do you ever get there? And you've got to be willing to say it to other people and, and face them looking at you like, really, you? You think you can do that? Like, you? Like, they're going to... Re- you know, reflect their fears on you. You've got to go past that over and over again. And in that second part, I challenge you this week to put yourself out there and do something worth risk, risking rejection or risking defeat, risking somebody saying no, risking someone ignoring you. It could be going on live and singing. It could be going to an open mic. It could be putting out that throwaway record on YouTube or SoundCloud and just seeing how people react to it. There's something that you're not doing right now simply because you fear rejection. Just give that a shot right now. All right. So that's my, uh, I'm going to get off my, my stool. And now we can have the, the combo, the Q&A. Um, so, but we can start with that. Like, what, what are your thoughts, Liam, as, as you hear me talk about kind of that clear success vision and then also the idea of working hard? Well, it definitely strikes a chord with me. This is something we've talked about for a long time, uh, considering uh, when I started my artist journey, I didn't really know what it meant to be an artist. And I didn't know what that meant for me and why and, and all of that. So, I mean, just a little bit about myself and my, my goal is, is I, want to, I want to use artistry and music as, as my work, but I don't want to work to live, if that makes sense. So I want to build... A portfolio. I want to build a body of work that I can then gather residual income off of and be able to raise a family, you know, enhance myself, which then goes back into making meaningful stories and making meaningful music and art. Uh, and so when you're talking about that definition, I didn't have that definition a year ago, two years ago. And, and I think the process of, of trying to create music and trying to build my brand without that definition is much, was much more frustrating and, and honestly much more time consuming. I, I worked a lot harder and didn't get nearly as far as I did until I have after I had that definition. And then it's like, okay, every step I take, I know this is the end goal and I'm doing it. So it's easier to subdivide my steps if that makes sense. So I, I'm fully with you on that, I must say. So, so out loud, can you say your clear definition of success and like a, a statement for, for you and obviously for everyone listening right now? My success is waking up every morning and being able to make music when I want to, but also being able to spend time with people I love and explore the world around me. I want to work for fun. I want to work, but I also want to live, if that makes sense. And I don't want music to be, you know, too much of the work element. I want it to be much more of the, the life element. I love it. That's a very clear definition of success. All right. All right, Miss Cece, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. So uh, I heard you earlier say you were a photographer and, and obviously supporting an, an artist, poet. What uh, What's your clear idea of success for yourself specifically? For myself, my clear definition of success would be to be able to not only feed myself off of photography, but also be able to um, wake up every day and do something that I love rather than doing something just for the money. Um, And uh, so I do fashion photography and I do want to get to a level where I'm photographing 
thing, you know, names, you know, big names and just be able to still enjoy the process because I think a lot of times artists get lost in the idea of making money off of their work. But I really just want to continue being able to be passionate about what I do. I love it. Well, I, I would advise you if I've seen anything happen over time, uh, make sure you get Liam's information because a lot of times we can be within earshot of a big name right before their big name. And then when they're big name, it's hard to reach them. But sometimes just like exchanging info now and like staying in touch when he blows up. And I do believe he will, uh, you know, you, you could be doing a, a photo shoot for GQ for Liam. And a lot of people never connect the dots that man, I met him randomly in one 24 seven Q and a session. We exchanged information. We kept in touch. And then when he had a chance to do a GQ cover, I was the first name he thought of. And that's how I got my big break. And I've seen that scenario play out hundreds of times. So, you know, I think a lot of us, obviously, we think now like, and then I was a victim of this. I'm like, man, if I could have this person come to my studio or this person come to my studio, I've made it. Um, but what I've learned is like the people who weren't necessarily on at that time that came to my studio as their stock rose and my stock rose or our stock rose, it was like, wow, you had that person at your studio? But it's like they weren't that person then. So I, I feel like, obviously, I, I pray that you also get to, to shoot Michelle Obama and a few other bigger names one day. Um, but you also are probably within a text message or a DM from someone you're connected to directly or indirectly who will also be at that level one day. And obviously we're here to talk about the business of music. Um, Liam, I'm, I'm involved in, in helping kind of guide your career uh, and, and loving that process. And then CC Native Poet is, is one of the artists who I'm also connected to and, and texting and staying in touch with and helping them navigate uh, so what's kind of going on in you guys' world that I can, that we can have a conversation around? I don't have all the answers, but we'll talk about it for sure. How important is business credit? How can I build it? It's a great question. So credit in general is important. I think if you're doing business in America uh, and if you are navigating any, any real success, you'll find that debt is one of the easiest tools to grow quickly. Right. Capital is hard to come across, especially early on. Um, but even after you achieve some level of success and you get business, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have cash on hand to make big purchases. So for a photographer, it might be I need five thousand dollars to upgrade my my photo rig or I need you know six thousand dollars to get the brand new Mac Pro that I can you know edit faster. For an artist, it might be paying for studio time or paying for merch or paying for for tour expenses, right? Airbnbs and renting a van and paying my musician friends. So business credit, like credit in general, is, is something that if you're early on now, there's a couple things you can do to establish your credit, right? Uh, it's going to be tied to your personal credit early on. So if you don't have great personal credit, do what you can to fix that and, you know, pay down your debts, you know, make your payments on time, all the stuff that you can Google search and figure out how do I get my credit where it needs to be? If you don't have credit, which is where a lot of people are, establish a line of credit personally as soon as you can, but also with your business, establish a line of credit. And I would advise starting with a small bank. And when I say small bank, a local bank, right? It's If you're going to Bank of America, if you're going to Wells Fargo, if you're going to Chase, if you're going to SunTrust, if you're going to any of the massive banks, uh, it's hard to build a relationship and trust and credit in the same time that you can with a local bank. And so no matter where you are, just kind of type local small business bank or local business bank, and you'll get a list in your city. Uh, when I was in the DMV, our, our place was uh, Eagle Bank. Eagle Bank's a really good small, small business bank in the DMV uh, that we were able to get lines of credit through for our studio and for our content and for touring and for all of that. I um, mean, it helps, right? Like I'll give you an example. If you're going on a tour, and you have to book hotels and Airbnbs in, let's say, 10 cities, that costs money, right? If the average night is $200 a night or $300 a night, especially if it's you and a band and managers, 10 cities is $3,000. Then you got to rent a car, right? You need a 15-passenger van. You're renting that from Hertz, right? Then you need fuel, right? Then you need food for you and a crew. Then you need miscellaneous for the flat tire you're going to get or the 
guitar strings that, that need to get fixed or the computer hard drive that has to get repaired. So although you make money, you don't make your money on the tour until you perform, you get your money back every show. You're going to need some capital up front to, to get things started. And so we were able to use business credit for that. Um, so I would say it's, it's, I won't say crucial, but if you see yourself bigger, right? If you see yourself doing big things and being a real functioning business, all the big businesses in the world use credit. Coca-Cola uses credit. Apple uses credit. Tesla uses credit. So like if, if the biggest, most successful businesses in the world are using credit, then who are you as a small business to think you can like survive off of straight cash? Um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely go the small business route, uh, set up a meeting with the small business community manager, or there's like usually a liaison that works directly with small businesses in that bank. I would sit with them and get them to know my brand. I'd get, you know, show them your social, show them your music, show them your work. If you're a photographer, if you're a label, show them your roster and, and what you've done so far. Show them your business plan. Show them what your vision is, where you're going, and then have them give you advice. What what products, right, because that's what the banks call it, what, what, what products can I use to build trust with you? And it might be opening a certificate of deposit. It might be opening a certain type of small business account. It might be keeping a certain dollar amount in your, in your bank account. All of these things, each bank values some over the others. Um, but that's really the first step that even if you have bad credit today, you could do that tomorrow. You could wake up, go to your local small business and, and start building that relationship, which will open the doors to credit down the line. Um, so just a little background, you know, my, my goal in as a business and in an industry is to have passive income from my music so that I can then do a show when I want to go create more when I want to. But my goal is really to have a large eclectic portfolio that's consistently being plucked for sync, you know, whether it's a TV, movie, what have you, and I'm working on passion projects. So with that in mind, I'm starting my first project uh, and I'm going through the process of finding musicians and finding uh, uh, people to be really to collaborate with, so engineers and producers. And I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to structure my payments for them on my, my, my contracts. Like, it, should I be looking for, you know, hey, I'll give you this much upfront, in which case it's probably a higher fee, or should I say, I can't really afford that. Can I give you 5%? Can I give you 10%? So, I don't know, some guidance on that would be a great idea, uh, helpful. All right. I, I love the question. So working on your first project and you are now collaborating with engineers, producers, musicians, you know, on and on and on. And you're trying to figure out how to structure payouts with all of these collaborators. And so there's no one size fits all with uh, with anyone. But I'll, I'll say these are the these are the, the the things that will change whether or not I structure things a certain way. So one is going to be your actual budget, right? Like, let's be real. We, we don't all have major backings. We don't all have major budgets. So if you're doing this like most people where you're doing it check to check or you're, you know, borrowing money from family and friends and, and hopefully paying them back or saving up and you've got a, a finite budget that's not, you know, six figures, right? You're dealing with a few thousand dollars and not a few hundred thousand. Then it's, it's important to find people that believe in your vision, believe in your, your future, believe in where you are right now so that they may be willing to work for less than or for free in exchange for the credit and the, the use of that project being theirs. One of the things that I believe in is like, Yes, it's your project because you're the artist and you're singing and you'll be on the album cover. But if you really want to make it successful, you've got to make sure that the engineer feels like it's his project or her project, that the musicians feel like it's their project, that the producers feel like it's their project, that the people who are invested in you financially and or time wise feel like it's their project. And ultimately, that the fans feel like it's their project. Right. The artists who are successful are the ones who find a way to create a community around a piece of work where it's like when I told people about 808 and heartbreaks, you would have thought I produced the whole album. Cause it was like, yo man, if you're not listening to this, you are off like that. You know, it's like a sense of buy-in, but on the flip side, 
if I work with an artist on a project, I take it as if it's I'm a part of it. It's not I'm working on your project. It's like it becomes our project. And the artists that I have the most success with are the ones who open up that feel of like, no, you're not helping me with my project. Like, it's our project. So then in that case, I'm not sweating getting paid my X dollars an hour as an engineer or my flat fee as a producer or as a photographer or as whatever it is. It's more so like, because I'm going to make my profile picture this this album cover and because I'm going to post this and say, look what we've done, that's the trade-off. And it's building my portfolio. The same way you said in the beginning of your question, I want to build a portfolio. Well, so is that engineer. So is that producer. So are the musicians. So if you can present it as such and follow through with it as such, right, it is our project, then I think people will be much more flexible to whatever payment arrangements you set up even in some cases, if there is no payment, because I, I'll sit and be honest with you, like, hey, I got three grand to do this whole project. I'm paying this in studio time. I'm paying this for the mix. I got to do my haircut and all that for the photo shoot. I could pay you this or I could run some ads and hopefully get a few more people to listen to it. And, and the people who believe it's our project will be like, yo, like they may say pay me some because you always want to make sure there's value there. But like put as much towards marketing as possible. Because that to me is, is like someone who's bought in as opposed to, man, I hear all that, but like you better pay me this three hundred dollars for for showing up and, and playing these guitars. And there are some people like that, and that's fine. I respect and I always want to make sure people are valued. But if your situation is one where that three hundred dollars makes or breaks your artistry or your career, then what can I do to make sure that person buys in? And sometimes you will find yourself not working with the $300 guitarist. You'll work with the $30 guitarist and build together. Again, like, I'd rather see the artist who, like, the guitarist on their first album and the guitarist on their most recent album is the same guitarist and they grew together than the artist who's like, yo, my first time out, I'm going to make sure that the biggest person in the game mixes my project. And that person doesn't even know how to pronounce your name. That person just sees you as a paycheck. Whereas, like, your homeboy who's trying to learn how to mix, like, it may not sound as great, but if he mixes the project, I feel like by the time he gets to his 10th project, and now everybody in the world wants him to mix, he knows not just your name, but it's like those 10 projects were his projects, too. So, so if you can get buy-in from your community, starting with the people immediately touching it and ultimately the fans, then I think it, it creates flexibility for how you structure payments and payouts and credits and splits and all of that, right? There's, there's ways to get creative. Are you willing to give up more points or, or percentage of a song in exchange for not paying as much for stakeholders? One of the things we did at House that was really creative back in the day and it wasn't the norm was we pushed the artists to give the engineers credit on the records and points on the records because if an engineer is making you sound that much better than you do naturally, especially in the day and age of autotune, they're doing a lot more than just mixing the record. They're helping make the record. So would you be willing to give your engineer 5% in exchange for the mix? So maybe now instead of paying $150 or $200 for the mix, maybe I can give you $50 and five points on the record. So um, when, when it comes to operating a business that supports uh, artist development, what members would you consider essential, like uh, artist manager, communications agent, marketing agent? So great question. It's less about the title. It's always going to be more about the responsibility. Right. So don't get caught up on whether someone's a manager or an assistant or uh, an agent or, you know, those are titles. Be more focused and clear on what needs to happen for this to be successful. And starting with the artist who's at the core of that, look at your strengths and weaknesses. I'll give you an example. I'll use myself. I'll be transparent for a second. I'm really good at the idea. I'm really good at the, you tell me your problem and I can like do something in my brain and then like I have the solution. I'm even really good at putting that idea and thoughts on paper. I'm not as good at executing the idea by myself. And the reason that is, is the next person that talks to me with a problem, I now am solving that problem. And this problem, it's hard for me to implement the one through 10 steps. 
my wife is really good and partner at implementing and executing the steps. So when we work together, whether it's building a studio, whether it's managing an artist, whether it's planning a family vacation, we're really good when we sit together and use our strengths and weaknesses together. So I'd say the most important role or the most important responsibilities are the ones where someone is strong where you are weak. If you're an artist and you don't really like selling yourself, right? That's a, that's a skill. And it's one that not everyone is good at. Then find someone who's really good at selling other people. Find someone who has no problem walking in the venue and saying, man, you got to book my, my artist. They're so good. Whether that person is your manager or your agent can be defined later. But most importantly, you're not going to get those shows if someone's not out there pushing for you. If you're not really good at like keeping a good structured schedule and showing up on time and like, you know, you're just not good with that. Like you're not good at like, hey, I told you I'd be there at four o'clock. I'll be there at three thirty and said like then find someone who's really structured and organized who can manage your calendar for you, because that's going to be really crucial as your life gets busier. Whether that person is an assistant, whether they're a manager, whether they're an agent, that can be determined later. But I know that I'm not good at keeping a structured calendar. I need someone in my world to help me structure my calendar. So that's really like the, the team should be built of people who are building each other up based on their strengths and not based on, oh, I need a manager. Because even if I said, all right, I'll get you the best manager in the world today. What if you're not really good at keeping a calendar and that best manager in the world is not good at keeping a calendar? Now the two of you are working together and nobody's keeping a calendar. So fill, fill your, your weak spots first. What if you wanted to get, um, let's say, a small team of two to three people, like um, a long-term team? Are you still going based off of the strengths or what you want them to do for the artist? Always. I always, because what they want to do for the artist has to be in, per, in pursuit of that clear definition of success. So... If, if the artist says my clear definition of success is I want to be able to tour the biggest and, and best venues across the world every year with great music and fans who love my music, then you're going to need to start piecing together the people that get you towards that goal now. Meaning if you want to make a career touring, we're going to need someone who has a really good ability to book shows today because the only way you get to those bigger venues is by starting with the, the venues you can get now. You're going to need musicians because if you want to perform, you're going to need whether it's a DJ or whether it's a band, you're going to need to be able to perform. You're going to need to practice, which means you're going to need someone to structure practices for you. Whether it's in your basement, your mom's house, or an actual practice space, all that can change. What doesn't change is you will need to practice, you will need to book shows, and you'll need to show up every time. So again, do you need an agent first or a manager first isn't the question. It's do I have the person that can help me book these shows? Do I have the person that can help me communicate with the producer or with the DJ or with the band every time we have to practice or every time we have to show up for a gig? If you're not good with money, do I have the person that can take the money from the gig and make sure everybody gets paid out what they're supposed to get paid out? But if you're really good with money, you may not need to worry about that. Like you can be the artist and manage the books. You can be the artist and manage the calendar until you can't. But what's the thing you can't do right now that that if you had would allow your career to move forward today based on that pursuit of success? So, I, you know, I would start with what can you do well? Write out your strengths. What do you not do well? Write out your weaknesses always start with what your idea of success is. And then I look at that list of weaknesses and say, okay, which one of these can I not afford to be great at right now? That's the, the, the person that I need today. And if that person is a manager, your manager may have very different roles and responsibilities than Liam's manager, than my manager, than Jay-Z's manager. They're all a manager by title, but what they're responsible for could be very different. I have a timer on my social media. I only use it 30 minutes a day. So I think that's what just happened was it automatically kicked out Instagram because I'm not, I'm not a self-disciplined person. I need 
to create patterns for success. That's one of my weaknesses. And so if I don't put that timer on, I will be on Instagram six hours in a day. Um, but if I put a 30 minute timer on, I'm actually really good at like, oh, okay, my 30 minutes is up. I'll just get off. So, but it took me a while to learn how to do that. Uh, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, and working on my first project and I've never featured within another artist or I've never dealt with features. Uh, what's the best way to go about, again, pitching, especially for, like for me, I, I look at features both from a musical standpoint, but also from a marketing standpoint. So I want someone whose fan base is going to rock with my music and, and hopefully expose me to them. What's the best way to pitch to them? Uh, how are, we, are most of them looking for flat fees or looking for points? Uh, yeah, tips on that process. Gotcha. Okay, so you're, you're an artist working on your first project. You're looking to get features or featured a feature on a project and you're just trying to figure out the best practice best approach especially when the artist you're reaching out to is probably more established than you um you know so you're navigating if they want points if they want payment if they want both um so yeah again let's keep it real this goes to that hard work part you've got to be okay with them saying no or not responding but I think your approach has to be authentic. They're human beings, ultimately, right? Like what we tend to forget and why I love the Genius uh, documentary, you'll see that Kanye was so excited to get a Talib Kweli feature. He was so excited to get a Ludacris feature. He was so excited to be in the same room as Pharrell. You know, now arguably he is, from an artist standpoint, bigger than all of those people. And today I'm sure that the scripts have flipped. But you could see how like excited he was yet they even knew who he was or he had the opportunity to get in a room with him. But we're all people. We're all human beings. Right now, if I wanted to get a feature from you, Liam, what would I do? Like what, what's the best approach for me to get a feature from you? Uh, text me or DM me and say, Hey, I've got a track and send me the track. That's it. It, it, it never is not that simple. It never is not that simple. And I'll take it one step further. When I send you the track, what do you take into consideration if you were to do the feature? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, do I like the song? Do I see myself first on it? First and foremost, do I like the song? It always starts there. doesn't matter what two, three, four, five, and six are. A hundred percent of the time, do I like the song? So... The, the funny thing is most people don't get the features because they never ask. They never send the song. They never send the DM. They never look at their network to see who's connected to that person to see if they can make an introduction so they can send the text. They don't. That's the hard work part. The hard work part is not that you wrote a song. It's not that you recorded a song. It's not that, that you work a job and do this and do that. The hard work part is... Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get the feature from that artist? It sounds like you have a very specific artist in mind. So have you looked at your network to see who in your network could potentially connect you with that artist? Have you reached out to that person in your network and said, would you mind making an introduction? I have a song I want to send to them. And will you be okay if you send that request to 10 people and they all either don't respond or respond with a, no, nah, I'm not really comfortable doing that. And it's okay, because all you're waiting for is that 11th person to say, yeah, man, no problem. I actually just had a convo with him or their manager or her or her manager. And, and I think like they're actually like getting ready to go to the studio. This could be the perfect time. I have an artist I've worked with. I won't put them, their business out there, but they had someone on their list they wanted to make sure like that was on their vision board. I want a feature from this artist. Worked on multiple projects, never asked. The first time they asked for a feature, they got the feature. In their minds, they might think they got the feature because they were bigger or more established or had a buzz. They'll never know that the reason they got the feature was they just asked. That that person was well aware of who they were on their first project 
and would have probably taken that risk to work with a relatively unknown artist a few years earlier. So I'd say like that the approach never changes. And one day when you are on the other side, when you are now the person who is bigger, when someone is trying to figure out how to pitch to Liam, you will laugh as well. Because you'll be like, man, like if they just send me the record and it's fire, I'm probably going to get on it. Like that's literally all it takes. You've got to put yourself in that person's shoes. They're not where you are in the sense of they've worked on hundreds of songs. They've probably put out songs that have been very successful. They probably are trying to chase a level of success or a sound that's hard for them to reconnect to because the hunger and the passion might not be there. Sometimes just getting the record from that unknown hungry artist is inspiration for that more established artist. Man, Liam really bought it on this record. He's going to bring out the best of me. Let me see if I can match that energy. Sometimes that's what it is. And then other times, I'll keep it real with you. It's, oh, uh, I know this guy or this girl who introduced me. I respect that person. So if they connect me, I'm going to take the shot and just work with this person. Because if they, if they suggest it, I believe whoever they suggest is legit. But if you, if you haven't even done the homework to say, you know, it's the Kevin Bacon, you know, however many degrees of separation. Like, right now, I guarantee you, you're probably one or two degrees away from any artist in the industry. My, I guess like a follow-up question, because I'm not a legal person, but obviously there are the risks you take with sending out your music and stuff to people. But um, are there, do I have any protections just from my music being stolen or, or da, 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 or should I just kind of include that as part of my, my budget? Like uh, someone might just steal this song or might just steal this idea and I'm just going to have to, you know, that's charge it to the game. So I've talked about this before. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a running thread, but I played a record once in a group of producers. It was probably one of the best records I, I had produced at that time. Got amazing feedback in the near future. I heard it played on the radio. They basically reproduced my record and it was a big record at that time. Um, could I have sued them? Could I have gone after them? Probably and all that. I was hurt at first, but in the long run, what that did for me was it let me know that I was capable of making that kind of record. It, it let me know that I belong in the rooms. Um, I was more pay, I was more careful in the future, I think, as far as like who I played records around. But it's, it's a part of the game. Like I would say the fear of my record being stolen versus the fear of not reaching out and then or being rejected if I reach out. The fear of, of the reaching out is more detrimental than the stolen record. What I should have done, and I said this the last time I talked about this, is I should have reached out to the producer who I know was inspired by my production and said, yo, man, I want to send you something. I played this in the room. I'm listening. It's the exact same tempo, same drum patterns, same chord progression. You know, and this record came out well after you know, I played my record in that room with you. Not saying you stole it, but like, is there a chance you could have like forgotten that you heard this and like made something similar? I should have put him on the hot seat and, and, and confronted him that way. And then had he, you know, just disrespected or, or dismissed me, I could have taken the right action. I think given our relationship in history, he probably would be like, you know what, dude, like you absolutely right. Let me call the label and see if I can put you on this joint and get you some points. So if you send it out to someone, let's say you send it to me. And then I say, uh, I don't think I can get you to that person. And then I drop a hot fire track one day that sounds exactly like the record you sent to me. Reach out and be like, yo, uh, I think you might have stole my record. I wouldn't do that to you. But again, we never know where our inspirations come from. Like, we don't know why we play the next chord when we're trying to, to make a song. We don't know why we use that word or that language or that. We're all inspired by other records. It, it, it's nothing new under the sun. So even when you make a brand new track, it's just a collection of ideas and thoughts that you then process and you're a vessel for. I was just going to add to um, protecting yourself a little bit. Somebody once told me, if you have an idea, write yourself an email, send a physical mail, send it to yourself. You could, I don't know how it works with audio, but you can probably send yourself an email and have that time that, that date and the timestamp. Yeah, it's called a poor man's copyright. And the funny thing is the, the email timestamp does it, but also the track timestamp. So like if you made it in Logic, you know how when you go to open your file, it says, you know, first created or date created. That's also a, a timestamp. 
the, the challenging thing in a courtroom with, with IP is you have to prove that the other person stole your idea. So unless they literally took that file and, and like sampled it and chopped it up and used it, the actual recording, if it's, well, I made my song in the key of C and the next two chords were F and G, and you made your you know, song in C and the next keys were F and G, it's like, yes, there's also a million other songs with that chord progression. So how do you know I stole that song from you? You would have to prove that in a court of law. And you can, again, Robin Thicke lost a lawsuit with the Marvin Gaye family for a song that didn't sample, that didn't use Marvin Gaye's lyrics, didn't use his vocals, didn't use instrumentation, but was just inspired by. And he lost that lawsuit. So anyone could lose any lawsuit. And I don't think you ever wanted to get to that point. But yeah, you could do a poor man's copyright. But even the timestamp of you sending the email to that person is a use case. You can use that in a court of law and say, if you look at the email, I sent an email on February 22nd, 2022. And uh, three months later, you to release the record that has the same name and same sound as my song. And then what a court, what I would have to prove is that before February 22nd, 2022, I had created this song. Because if I cannot prove that, then that's where you could potentially win or lose a, a lawsuit. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just speaking from some of the situations I've seen. What are some sources of funding artists and businesses I can take advantage of when capital cash flow is minimal? And I know we talked about um, having a line of credit but when it comes to managing other artists, there's several bodies involved. So I think a line of credit would not be enough. So what other ways to get funding for um, the artists? Great question. So what are some funding vehicles and opportunities out there uh, for artists, managers, labels, um, especially independent? So I'll say before you get to the funding, focus on your business plan and focus on specifically your income streams, right? If anyone's going to give you capital or cash, whether it's investment, whether it's loan, whether it's a grant or some kind of, of donation, they're going to know, they're going to want to know that you can sustain beyond that initial capital contribution. What you don't want to do is get in the habit of just raising money for raising money's sake. The reason the labels have a bad rap is the labels give advances. Artists are unable to repay the advances. The labels give more advances to sustain your career. The artists are unable to repay the initial or the follow-up advances. And by the time the artist is getting out of their deal, the label retains all of the ownership of the music and the IP. The artist is in crazy debt and they're upset. But it's because if you're not clear on your income streams, if you're not clear on how you're going to make money, it doesn't matter if I wrote you a million dollar check right now. What if you just go spend a million dollars and now you have a lot more followers and you have a lot more fame and you have a lot more success, but you're not booking shows, you're not selling merch, you're not getting the right features and, and connections and marketing to generate revenue, you will need another million dollars sooner than later. But if you have a plan that says, you do, if you gave me a million dollars today, this is how I generate this much money a year for the next 10 years, the million dollars is easy to find. And, and, and there's no limit to the money that's out there, whether it's private funding, whether it's VC funding, whether it's crowdfunding, Kickstarter type thing, whether it's friends and family funding, uh, or whether it's a line of credit or using credit cards like Spike Lee did to make his first movie, right? Like there's no, there's no limit to getting money in the world. Where the limit is, is I think when people are, are stuck on just the idea of, I don't have money and I can't run my business. And my first question then is, what is your business? So if you, had the million, if you had the number in your head money right now, what would you do and how much money would you make 30 days from now? How much money would you make six months from now? How much money would you make two years from now? If you're not clear on that, you're not ready for any amount of money. So get very clear on that. And then again, I went through the options, but again, I, I think private funding, which could be friends and family, can be, you know, a... a someone in your network who has some money that they're looking to invest, um, or it could be someone in your circle who's connected to someone who invests. There's pri there's a VC, uh, venture capital funding. In our world, that's a, a little less of a, of a common thing, 
But if you're building anything that that's scalable or growable, especially if it's management and there's multiple artists and you're doing something really cool, maybe around content, maybe like one of your revenue streams is something like, you know, if, if you look at like Colors Berlin or if you look at some of like the SoundCloud, big, bigger SoundCloud pages that then turn into like live events and, and merchandise. If you have something where your capital is driven by IP or driven by something you can sell, something tangible, you could potentially get VC funding. There's crowdfunding. I'm a huge fan of crowdfunding because I think it puts a level of stress and, and pressure and, and, and focus on a team, right? If I can go get a thousand people to give me $10, I've made $10,000, right? If I can get 500 people to give me $10, I've made $5,000, right? The, the challenge of getting 500 people to do anything in this world is very difficult. So that to me shows like a level of team building and communication and that fear we're talking about. Do you have it to pick up your phone and text and call 5,000 people to have 500 people do something? And if you and your team can't do that, it's a long road to success for you. And then obviously the line of credit today, like tomorrow after this, both of you go, go start your relationship with a small business. It can be a credit union or a small, small business bank in your area. Introduce yourself or set up a meeting with them. Maybe the meeting won't happen until next week, but when you sit down, it's like talking to a regular person. Tell them who you are, tell them what you're about, show them your work, tell them your dreams, your goals, your visions, and then ask them what products does your bank have that you think I should start using now to build a relationship of history and trust. Because in the next two years, I wanna be able to come back, and if I need to borrow a million dollars, I want you to say, you know what? I want to give a million dollars to CC because I, I know where she's going and I know what she's done in the last two years. And then credit cards, right? If, if you're doing something that you know you're going to get your money back, credit cards are a great tool for short-term cash flow. Meaning, if you know you can sell t-shirts for $20 and you can make them for $10 and you're making $10 a t-shirt and you know you can sell 100 t-shirts, well, nowadays you can just pre-order the sales and do that. But if you need the shirts to maybe do some photo shoots and you need like 253 in a bucks or 600 bucks, including paying the photographer or whatever, if you're not taking the pictures yourself, if you put that 600 bucks on the credit card and you get the shirts made and you do the photo shoot, you get the pictures back, you put them on your store, you send it out to your network. If you can do that within a 30 day sprint, you should be able to get enough pre-orders to pay that credit card off in full. So that's something that like, I think use the tools that you have, whether it's one, two, three, four or five, or combination of and learn to do it along the way in our biggest at, at our old company we use credit cards to get through some of our toughest times it's a part of the business you know you know don't don't be fooled by by these companies that look like they're larger than life they they are using credit to get through some tough times to make payroll to pay mortgages to pay insurance to buy you know equipment to buy products services marketing they're not used. They don't have flush with cash like that. Most of these companies are using credit to get through. The last question, I think it will be quick to answer. Uh, what's the importance, if there is an importance, of having a, a CPA, a certified public accountant, in the early stages of building a business? Man, you're hitting the great questions. I'm, I need to have like a one-on-one -on -one like Q&A with you. The importance of having a CPA early, that's the key word, early in your business. So I'll say this, and I'll define early in your first two years of business, because most businesses don't last beyond two years. It's just a, a can, you can you define CPA? A certified public accountant, meaning that they can legally give you, they can legally do your accounting. Um, they are held accountable if you're off. So if I give you my books and you do my accounting and give me a balance sheet and a, a profit and loss sheet and an income statement uh, or file my taxes, if anything is wrong, you face the, the brunt of the, the problems, not me. Um, is early on, you don't need a CPA, right? It's not a cost that I think the average small business needs to take on in the first two years. I think there's a lot of things you got to figure out before you figure out that part of your business. What you can do is get QuickBooks and you can work with a CPA or a QuickBooks professional. I think you can hire them through QuickBooks even to set up your business on QuickBooks. You can spend one time to set up good practices that if you follow through, when you go to do your taxes every year, 
You're just downloading some information from QuickBooks and you're giving it to an accountant, you're doing your taxes and you're in good tax standing. Being in good tax standing is crucial for credit, personal or business. So uh, I, I would say in the first two years, I'm not putting a CPA on my expense sheet monthly on a retainer, but I would engage a QuickBooks or any financial software professional to set me up for good practices. Good practices are things like going in and tagging or labeling my expenses, right? Linking my account and my credit cards to the QuickBooks so that every transaction is caught in QuickBooks. Using cash, least of, of, of my options should be using cash. Using debit cards, credit cards, or credit cards, then debit cards, then cash. So that everything is tracked. If I use cash, how do I input that into my ledger? Right? These are good practices that a CPA or a QuickBooks professional would teach you that if you did that 365 days a year, when you go to turn in and do your taxes, it'll be a very simple process and you'll be in, in, in a good place. Even for an artist, right? you're going to get taxed on your income, learning how to understand that when you get $10, put $3 aside to pay taxes. Right? Like That's good practice. Like A CPA, again, I'm not a CPA, so don't Go do that and say, oh, you, you told me $3. It should have been $3.40. Like I'm, but good practice is sitting with someone to say, given what I'm doing, given how much I'm spending, given what I'm making, given what I'm going to do, what are the things I should be doing every day financially to make sure I'm in good financial positions a year from now? Once you cross that second year mark and you now should be generating good amounts of multiple revenue streams, you might have multiple businesses, you might have multiple lines of credit. At that point, you don't want to be spending two, three hours a day inputting financials and downloading balance sheets and, and doing P&Ls. At that point, you can now put in your budget, I'm going to put a $300 retainer for my CPA who once a week will have a one-hour meeting with me and handle all my books. Or if you go out and get an investment early, if you, if you do have a family member or a friend and, and they're going to put some money in, real money in, you know, $50,000, $100,000. And let's say, as we talk about our strengths and weaknesses, being financially responsible is not one of your strengths. Embrace that. And let them know, I'm not really good with money. You're about to give me a lot of money. What I'd like to do is just put in that budget $3,000 for the first year or whatever the amount is for a CPA to, to start year one. And that might, like... If I'm asking somebody for money and I know like I have a, if people don't think I'm good with money or I have a history of not being good with money, then that's one of the things that's almost like counter what I know you're going to come with. Why would I give you $100,000? I know you blew your, your grandma's inheritance. I knew you, you, you had a good job and you didn't save any money. Aren't you the one that your car got repoed? Like if you are that person and there's a reality, you might be, then you want to counter that with, I'm going to borrow this money or get this investment from you for this idea but I'm also going to start with someone else managing the money. So that may be a scenario where within the first two years you hire a CPA, but that's like, a, I think, a, not the majority. That's the minority. For the majority of us who are kind of living check to check and balancing and trying to figure this out and using our personal money to cover business expenses and all that, that's where I would say get, get QuickBooks or some kind of financial software and, and hire someone or engage somebody for a one-time consultation to set you up for the right processes and best practices.